yourself Cause it starts with you And then everyone else will believe you too And if it looks like you're the only believer around Just keep on believing Don't put yourself down Just believe Our guest this week grew up in Beirut, Lebanon The oldest of five children He left school at age 12 to begin working At age 16 he moved to the forest of the Ivory Coast in Africa to work in the cocoa bean plantations. And at age 21, he went to school in Paris at the Academy de Versailles to become a pastry chef. Since 2003, he's been the owner and executive chef of Golden Wheat and Canela Patisserie. He's the epitome of the American dream. His name, Matt Neal. And I'm Jack Rasool, and this is Anything is Possible on News Talk 760 W. I'm Jack Rasula. This is Anything is Possible. We're talking to Matt Neal. And since 2003, he's been the owner and executive chef of Golden Wheat and Canela Patisserie. Matt, welcome and honored to have you. Thank you. You grew up in Beirut, Lebanon. Take us back. You're a kid. Growing up in Beirut, Lebanon, you oldest of five children. Tell us about your childhood in Beirut. Oh, actually, I'm the second. Uh, my, my, I have an older sister. So, um, and I, you know, grew up in Beirut, uh, you know, during, during the war. So the war started in 75, technically the year I was born. So, um, and, you know, grew up in, in you know, rough environment you know just like war and surrounded with like you know um not a great things to be to be surrounded with um you know at you know being a son of a fisherman and um and you know living day to day over there wasn't easy you know i started working at the age of 13 so working like literally full time more than full time i work uh as a parking valet and during the day and i go fishing during the night with my dad it was a rough yeah your dad left you your mom yeah our our dad left us and i was at the age of uh i think between 12 and 13. how did your mom survive with five children and what's the biggest thing mom taught you it was beyond rough so it was like you know at the at the moment like we sleep without food and uh, i don't i have no idea actually how did we manage to put food on the table because uh that's when i started like my mom putting me telling me you know you have to help us out and you have to work you have to do things after we got kicked out from the house. My mom took us to her parents' home, which is she doesn't want to do because that's not her comfort zone. But we were obligated to go there. And the moment I, we were we got to the house, she you know she told me, Matt, you have to start doing something. You have to start helping me out because I can't do it by myself. So I start working, you know. Whatever people ask me to do is just like literally at 13 years old, he doesn't know much about the word. So 
whatever, you know, somebody needs help moving things, I'll help him, some, you know, whatever. And after I got the job at the valet parking and I, I got it and I stayed with me for a long time. And, and you know, working as a, in the sea as a fisherman and the valet parking stayed until I left the country, actually. Yeah. All right. At 16, you left the country, Beirut, and you go to a cocoa plantation in the forest of the Ivory Coast in Africa. Correct. Correct. The middle of nowhere. The middle of nowhere. Correct. Yeah. What was it like? So the, the, the scenario, it was, it was um, I cried for a week. So <laughs> cried because I'm in the middle of nowhere. I can't talk to anybody. I don't speak the language. And uh, my responsibility is to learn from the farmers and from the people over there about the cocoa and the coffee and uh, try to help the company to, to produce and do quality cocoa beans. So it was very hard, especially at the time there was no phones, no, there is no, no communication. So if you need to make a phone call, you have to travel two hours to a booth where there's the main uh, phone um, company. And if you're very lucky to get through, maybe 10% of people get through the lines and talk maybe for five minutes and the line will be cut off. It was rough. and um, But I, I thought, you know, if I'm not going to be able to make it at this, at this moment and you know, be a man and uh, and do something about it. I'm not going to be able to make it ever. So, I start, you know, learning, uh, educating myself as much as I can about cocoa beans, about the planting of the cocoa and uh, the process of the whole thing. And and like just not even five six months later, I start thriving and enjoying what I'm doing. So. All right, you're 16 years old. You've moved from Beirut to the to the jungles, to the forest of the Ivory Coast. And they train you for a couple of weeks and then you become, you start to manage 25 employees at 16 in another country. How'd you ever do it? So I have no idea. I mean, in the beginning, I was like, how am I going to be able to 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 do this. I mean, with the tips of the boss I have, which is every every week he gets on a phone with me and he called me and he said, okay, Matt, uh, you know, you have to start thinking about doing this and doing this. It was, it was kind of like uh, things got in place by itself for me. It's kind of like I did not plan to do things the way I wanted to do it, but I start learning and watching other people who does the same job around me over there and keep asking them, okay, so how I deal with this situation, how I deal with this situation and learning from them to do the best I can. Um, it's, it, it was, it was not easy. I, it was like, I, I went through people stealing. I went through people like trying to take advantage of me because of my younger age and uh, and and it taught me a lot of things and I start learning step by step. We're talking to Matt Neo. 60% of the world's cocoa beans come from the Ivory Coast. Correct. And I'm Jack Rasula and this is Anything Is Possible on 760 WJR.
Welcome back to Anything is Possible. I'm your host, Jack Pasula, and we're with the epitome of the American dream, Matt Neal. Matt, so now let's forward three years. You've been working in that cocoa plantation for three years. The people trust you, the workers. They depend on you. And the cash from the company suddenly dries up. What do you do? What do you do? So uh, my boss called me and tell me um, we can't get money and we have to get cocoa beans. And farmers live day to day. You can't just go and ask them for cocoa beans and you cannot give them money. But during the process of three years, I kind of became become like families, you know, a family for the farmers around me. And they start kind of like have a little bit of trust in me. They say, you know, always say this kid is 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 the real deal. So because they got previously in their previous history, they got burned a lot from people. And I go to them and I ask them, here is our situation. We need to send all the cocoa beans we can but I cannot deliver the money until like a month from now. And they, we got, they got together in a meeting and they say uh, how we can trust this, this kid. I mean, so, and uh, for, uh, there's one pastor of one of the villages over there and he came and he said, you can trust him. And I met him, I dealt with him. He's one of the farmers also. And uh, he said he will bring you back your money. And he talked to me and said, Matt, don't let these people down. I was like, I told him, I, I will not. I mean, my boss promised me to bring the money back and I will bring the money back the moment I will. And uh, they gave me, they gave me 10 truck, each truck, 35,000 ton of, of cocoa. So, and I took all those semis and went down to um, to Abidjan, which is about 10 to 12 hours of drive. And I went with them and they told me, you come back with the money and they sent someone with me because they were afraid I'm not gonna come back. And that's a lot of money. So, and I was terrified actually. I was, I thought, you know, if I don't come back, they're gonna kill me, something. So, uh, but you know, I wanted to please my my boss. I wanted to show him that I'm good enough. And I wanted also to have the trust of the farmers and I don't want to let them down. So I'm kind of like, I'm the face of, of in, in the middle. I'm in between those, those two, two giants. And, and I went and I stayed for a week, two and three over there and the money is not coming in. And we keep sending messages. You, can, you send messages by somebody who's going to go to the villages over there and tell them, the money didn't arrive yet. It took almost two months to the money to get to, to my hand. And when it got to my hand, it's like, it's terrifying also because you have like three, four big bags, buffalo's bag of cash with me. And I have to take all this money, take it to the villages and drive. And usually you get scared if somebody knows you have that much money on you. And uh, we took the money and um, I drove back. And the best moment of my life, the moment I arrived with the money and everybody was waiting for me around where I live. They were sleeping around the house. 
and the celebration start, start at this moment. All right, let's jump ahead. Now you're 21 and you go to Paris. So you've lived in Beirut with the war, then you've lived in the Ivory Coast in the forest. What was it like suddenly being in Paris? Uh, it's, it's a shock because when you leave Africa and you go to the outside world, especially Europe, you were like behind big time. You feel like, oh, I mean, what is this? I mean, cell phone or whatever this is like. Everything was new for me. And uh, I'm, I wanted to start something related to my knowledge about cocoa. And the word is so advanced in front of my eye because I don't even know what's going on. I have to have to play a catch up with all this tape. So I, the first thing I stopped at um, a bakery in the village, which is uh, saint Ligier en Yvelines, used to own by a female. Her name is uh, Edith Galopin. So, and I, I talked to her, I told her, can I have a job over here? So I'll do anything you want me to do. And she told me, yeah, absolutely. Come tonight and start working with my husband. He's the, he's the chef. So, and I went over there and I worked with her. And day by day, I start, I start loving what I'm doing, but I didn't realize it until she brought it to me. She told, it, she told me, Matt, it's good for you to go to school at the same time when you're working for me because you have good hands. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I went and I registered in school and I start going to school and after school come and work. And she gave me actually a room to live above the pastry shop. Prior to that, you were sleeping in your car in Paris. Absolutely, I, I, in the beginning, I couldn't afford to have a room. So, and I bought a $700 car. That's all the money I have. And I, I, I slept in the car in the parking lot next to my job. And I take shower at my boss place and I just start working. And, and maybe I slept in the car for maybe six months before I, before I have my, before she gave me a room in, in a pastry shop. And then God sent you an angel. He was a master pastry chef. You worked under him for three years. His name was Claude Brock. Tell, tell us about the biggest thing you learned from that master pastry chef. Majority of everything I know from discipline, from uh, from learning, from understanding the process, and uh, and how to make things, it's actually from him more a lot more than school. He was uh, a person who worked very hard. His family lives above the pastry shop, so he's working nonstop. And the 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 way he does things and the way he's in love with his work, it was it was like beautiful for me it was like you know it's it, how this person can dedicate all his life to do something that hard uh, and and i was a hard worker but i don't see it as much until i saw him and and i start learning and spending the majority of my time with him even after work i go and i see him preparing for the next day we were just three men show in a pastry shop all right. God brought you another angel. 
a young lady by the name of Miriam. And you mm. met her on a vacation when she went back and says, Mom and Dad, I met this young man. You can trust him. He's the real deal. They said, nonsense. Okay, <laughs> nonsense. Um, talk about how Miriam changed your life. So when I met her, uh, she was um, a very smart young girl and she goes to school and she have a big ambitions and uh, have a family um, of, uh, of, you know, a lot more established um, than our family. And the, so the beauty about her is um, I believed in her from the moment I met her. And I, and I saw it like she, she's the one. She's the one. And she was, she wanted to be a pharmacist. She wanted to be a dentist. She wanted to be involved in, in, in any of this stuff. And I was, she put me on the spot. If I have to do something about my life to be able to actually be with this girl. Uh, so she drove me from a person who have a dream to the most ambitious person you'll ever meet. It's just like nonstop working. It's like how I'll be able to, to build my life before I will be able to ask for her hand. All right. We're talking to Matt Neal. And because of Miriam, in 2002, he followed her to Dearborn, Michigan to go work at the Ritz-Carlton. And I'm Jack Prasula, and this is Anything is Possible on 760 WJR. I'm Jack Rasula. This is Anything is Possible. And in 2002, our guest, Matt Neal, moved to Dearborn, Michigan as the head pastry chef to work at the Ritz-Carlton. Um, one day you got to cook for a president. What was that Absolutely. like? I was not used to it. At, uh, they didn't even tell us a prior. They told us there's a big event coming. They didn't tell me what's coming. So, and they... They said, okay, so you're, not, you're the only one you're going to be in the kitchen at this day. And uh, I told them, okay. So when I arrive at the, at the hotel at 6 a.m. in the morning, and I'm not allowed to drive my car to the hotel, so you have to park it about a mile away, and somebody will, will bring you to the, to the hotel. And when I went to the hotel, they say, okay, so take your shoes off. It's like, okay. So, I mean, you, there's a lot of security. I'll take my shoes off. And I walk to my to, to my work without shoes, and I go inside and say, "Okay, so the president is gonna be at the hotel, which is George W. Bush, and you're gonna be making dessert for him and his guest, and nobody's gonna be working with you." So I told him, "Okay." So I I got stressed out to the to the maximum. I'm doing something to the president and. Uh, um, and I start working and I start sweating from before I start working, you know, so, and, um, and you see people coming back and forth to see what I'm doing and try what I'm doing. So, and I mean, so, and, you know, I mean, the, the day went like, it's, it's a month for me because it didn't end because it takes so long for me to, to feel like it's done. And but successfully, dessert was amazing. Everybody loved it, and um, and I got feedback from the chef of the president, and he said, you know, great job, Matt. And uh, 
Uh, it was a stressful but beautiful day. If you want to learn more, www.goldenwheatbakehouse.com or www.canelladetroit.com. All right, Matt, 2003. You had $30,000. You quit your job at the Ritz and you start a little shop on Northwestern Highway near South Meal, near in Southfield on 12 Mile. Why'd you do it? How did you do it? So after working for about uh, about a, about almost a year at the Ritz Carlton, I thought, you know, let me. I, I I don't see anything related to or similar to what I do in France. So if I do a shop in here, people will like it, will have the, and people will uh, love it to get used to buy the baked good every day and things like this. I was like, and I wanted to do something by myself. And I start looking for an existing bakery so I can buy or so I can spend the money on. And I found this place at Northwestern Highway in Applegate and was uh, a bakery and it's not doing good. And he wants to sell the business as is. And uh, and I, you know, I came here to the United States. I did have with me uh, around $30,000 in the bank. So at this at this time, I took them all and I gave them to the guy and I told him that's everything I have. So, so he gave me the business uh, and the struggle start at this moment. <laughs> all right. That didn't work so well. And then a woman told you, you got to move to Birmingham. So you went to Hamilton street. And then in 2013, your fortunes changed. You opened on Eaton street, just North of Maple. The rest is history. Tell us about Canela, which is now in Detroit, Birmingham, Dearborn, Ann Arbor. Please. So Canel, actually, it's it's E at the end. Yeah. And uh, Canel is, uh, we opened in 13 in, on Eaton Street. Um, and I did not actually want to open a retail after the experience I did have previously. Um, I was doing wholesale and a friend of mine um, came to me and he told me, let's re-experience it because a lot of people like what you did previously. So and we opened it and it was success from day one. Uh, and I got, I got, you know, like kind of like excited. And I, after like a couple of years, uh, after exactly four years, after opening uh, the Birmingham, I thought, you know, let me do another place because I'm capable now to produce for more than one place. So I, at this moment, uh, Bedrock, which is, they were trying to build downtown Detroit, Detroit. They approached me, they say, what about if you want to come to downtown Detroit? I, I was afraid in the beginning because downtown Detroit was not the greatest at the time. But I like what I saw in, 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 in their project. They're trying to build the city. They're trying to do the city in a better way. I was like, I told them I'm on board. So they got me a place and, um, and I spent a lot of money. I got an SBA loan and I opened uh, Canal Detroit. And, and thanks God is good from day one, same thing. And, uh, and I spend a lot, you know, a lot thinking, okay, so where I want to go from now? Do I want to 
move forward and do something more. And I always, I'm always ambitious. I always wanted to do something a little bit, a little bit more. And I always want to reach my goal. When I get closer, I feel my goal get farther. So, uh, and I, and somebody also approached me, said, okay, Matt, do you want to do another project and we'll be partner with you? We'll open the Great Commoner, which is a restaurant slash canal inside the restaurant. And I loved the idea. We planned for it uh, before COVID and we opened during COVID. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful concept. We opened the store in Dearborn and we did open a store in Ann Arbor. We're talking to Matt Canella, or we're talking to Matt Neal, rather, who was the owner, executive chef of Golden Wheat and Canella Patisserie. And I'm Jack Rasula, and this is Anything is Possible on 760 WJR. Jack Rizzula, host of WJR's Anything is Possible, the weekly radio visit, brings his 15 years of inspirational storytelling to hardcover. With God, anything is possible. Anything is possible. 15 of Jack's more than 750 tales of defeating odds and achieving the extraordinary. Like Bob Woodruff, whose job covering the war in Iraq nearly cost him his life. And Nick Vujicic, the limbless evangelist who has stunned millions with his message of acceptance and grace. With God, anything is possible. Order now while signed copies are still available at trustinusllc.square.site. That's trustinusllc.square.site. And as Jack says, Make it a great week because with God, anything is possible. Spohol. I'm Jack Rasula. This is Anything is Possible. We're talking to Matt Neal. If you've ever been to Canellas in Detroit, Birmingham, Dearborn, Ann Arbor, it's a fabulous experience. Matt, 2% of the people quit when they hear the word no once. Another 2% of the people quit after they hear the word no five times. 95% of us quit, Matt, even before we ever hear the word no. We give up before we even try. That leaves 1%, the ones that never give up. And that's you. You are the epitome of the 1%. Your whole life has been one hurdle after another after another. How do you keep doing it? And why do you keep doing it? So, Jack, in the beginning, um, I think I'm lucky because the the way the word took me, but it's the word is afraid to being hungry again. I'm always um, thinking I don't want to be where I was with my mom. This has always haunted me even up to this moment. You know, I always think if I stop, I will go there even at this moment. So, and, and also the, the people you'll be surrounded with, like my wife, you know, she always was 
the best the best part of my life you know she always like you know help me and she's the calm one she's the one she you know always tell me you can do it and you know and me i will uh, i will i will get afraid tired cry and get up the next day like nothing happened and just go to work and not like nothing happened and i never never didn't go to work i don't even remember i during my process of a small surgery or a big surgery or getting sick i always straight to work not even a day off it's it's you know it's uh, it's something i can't explain it's just like it's it's always there's always something who tell me you have to keep going you have to you know you have to keep following your dream if you stop you drop everything you built so i always i'm always after it i mean uh, even up to this moment i dream like you know okay so i cannot stop i have to keep going all right talking about mom you know she raised five of you on nothing in beirut and you have a warehouse your warehouse and your bakery is on 9 mile in warren and a few years ago you brought your mom to america you bought her a house in warren what's that feeling like uh feeling uh, you know it's um i always wanted my mom our mom to be around me and i always wanted so bad to make her forget about her past even i will never be able to replace what she what she lost and bring back her her prime age or like how did she marry the wrong person it's just uh, it's always remind me what can i do not to make her feel that she have to work or cry or to do something to put on a table i told her when she came here i promise you i'll get you a house and i promise you you'll be in your house and if anybody wants to come to you comes to your house she always in the past been threatened by my father and her father's family that every time she will do something and if she doesn't do it correctly she will be kicked out of the house and this words always haunt me you know what i mean so it's like i don't want anybody to tell her that if she doesn't do anything right she would be kicked out this is like when i got her the house she started like you know she started crying this is my house that's the first time i own a house you know it's just like and i got the house put it on her name and i told her you can do whatever you want with it and and just enjoy it it's just like i don't want you to worry about anything you will if you'll meet her you'll you'll see how she's thriving and happy and just she stopped by at the kitchen to help me out and always always thankful and to me and to every everybody around her how her life turned around at this age we're talking to Matt Neo if you want to learn more www.canella c a n n e l l e detroit.com canella detroit.com all right you said something in the previous segment about basically that success is a journey not a destination and that epitomizes you Matt Neil talk about success is a journey not a destination absolutely you know i think sometimes when when you 
when you feel something, when you feel the success in a little bit in the beginning and you will start, okay, so, you know, I think I'm on, on the right direction, on the right track. And you will have, you will take another decision, which is push you to be a little bit more successful. And you will say, okay, so my decision, they were right in this, at this moment. Let me to see if my second decision, which it will be. And step by step, I believe my decision, they were correct. So that, that's why I'm always doing it like one step at a time. And it, it, it's, it's, it's a process, it's a journey, it's, and you're doing it slowly. And you start believing in your decision also. You see, believe that your decision is, is being good at this moment, so keep going. All right. If you look up in Google, the word entrepreneur, your face pops up. You are a quintessential entrepreneur. What advice would you give to a would-be entrepreneur this evening? Um, in a situation like mine, I'll tell people, never give up. Always stick to your ideas and your quality and 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 your goal, your dream. The moment you give up, you're throwing everything away. It is not going to be easy, but if you have a dream and you work hard, you will reach it. The only constant in life is change. Just when you think you've got it great, inflation hits us. Recently, you told me that 50 pounds of flour. A year ago, I think it was 10 or 11 bucks for the 50 pounds of flour wholesale. Now it's 23 bucks. Inflation is engulfing all of us. How do you get through this inflation, Matt? It's, it's very hard because I always think about, about like a family, like two or, or more, like three or four or six member family when they go to my place. And I always think if they want to buy five, six pieces of baked goods, they're spending $30 now to buy five, six pieces of baked good. And that's, for me, it's kind of like, it's not acceptable, but it's becoming, we cannot produce it or sell it except at this point everything is is going up so quick in a matter of eight months we doubled everything and and the the only problem also we don't see a stop for it every vendor i deal with they tell me matt this is not the end just to let you know the butter increased three times in me for on me for the last six weeks it went, it went 40%, 20%, and another 10%. It's like, I don't know where we're going. I don't know how much things are going to be in the future, but it looks like it looks like there's no end for it, and it's affecting me, and it, the most important, affecting the consumer, which is the middle-class middle family, the one they want to enjoy some luxury of buying croissant or pain au chocolat or something like this. And becoming like, oh, I don't want to buy four or five pieces. I'll buy one. All right. America. So many of us take what we have in America for granted. 
What do we have, Matt Neal, in America? I, I, this is this is the best the best part. I just want to tell you about. It's the best country in the world. I've been in multiple country in Africa, in multiple country in Europe. The United States, specifically Detroit, where my dreams came true, where my opportunities start be being a real opportunities. The best country I will ever, uh, the only country I will call home, I don't call home except over here, because that's what I, what I got my opportunity, that's what I got my, you know, my view to start coming through. This is the country of I will live and die in. And Matt Neal, you're one of the best Americans I've ever met in my life. Thanks for all you do for our community. Keep up the great, great work. Thank you. Please join us next Saturday. Until then, I'm Jack Prasula. Thanks for listening and make it a great week because with God, anything is possible. Spawn. Believe in yourself.